Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Mirror that in some way, Lord. We don't know. We just ask today um, for our family um, as a community with Chance and Jade and Jose and Aubrey being with us for the last day. So we're going to lean into that uh, together and and experience a range of emotions and uh, both mourn and rejoice because they're both appropriate for this. They they can coexist and let's let them. so there's two sections. We're going to look at John 13, 18 to 38. And I didn't make any slides. I didn't want them tonight. I wanted us to be together as family. So we're going to look at two sections in here. It's really one story. Um, the context is Jesus has, has uh, washed his disciples' feet. We saw that. Was it last week, Dustin? Was it last week? I don't know why it seems like a month ago now to me. Um, and, the, and then after he washed their feet, he debriefed it with them. He taught from it. And a very powerful lesson, you can check that out, I think it's verses 12 to 17, where he kind of debriefs it with it. It's, but it's a, all this is in the context of supper. They're, they're having, uh, they're celebrating Passover meal together. And so Jesus starts this with this really bold enactment of service that he's profoundly demonstrating what it means to be together. It's not just a lesson on leadership. It's it's a lesson on how to be together as family and in serving one another. But there's a sense in which this is a really sad supper. And uh, I, Cindy, I remember a really sad supper uh, we had. This is, there's a little levity here, so it's not going to—it's not as gloomy as it sounds. So our family, save the matriarch in the family, hates beets. We do not like beets. Me and Chris and Holly, we hate them. And so, and when the kids were—I don't know—middle school or maybe elementary school. I think Cindy was coming home from work or something. I don't remember what. We're on the phone. She's like, this is what we're having for dinner tonight. You have a vegetable choice. or went something like that. And jokingly, I said, let's have beets. Well, she, she was tired of it. She was tired of us giving her a hard time about the beets because she likes beets. And they were frequently objects of joking around beets in our family. So she decides we're going to have beets tonight. And uh, it was a sad supper, you know, because my role, you know, is the enforcer, you know, with little kids, we're eating what's put on the plate, and that included me that night, so we ate, I think we at least had one bite, Cindy probably remembers the details better than me, but but what we're going to look at tonight is uh, apples and oranges, no pun intended. Um, The second set section we're going to look at. It's still supper, but it, but it really shifts. So we're going to begin, excuse me, in verse, I think, 31 of what scholars call Jesus' farewell discourse. So from the middle of or verse 31 to at least the end of chapter 16, 
Some say 17, depends on kind of how you look at Chapter 17 is this farewell discourse where it, it's really one of the most, you, you know it probably, it's going to be mostly read if you have a red letter Bible and it's Jesus giving parting encouragement and instructions uh, to the 12. And, and this event here is really where it pivots uh, at this supper. So let, let's read uh, the text. If, I, like I said, I didn't do slides. I will read it, grab a Bible, grab your phone if you, that's the way you do it. Um, verse 18, he's, he starts like this. I'm not speaking to all of you. Now, it's important that we understand what's going on here. Remember, he's just washed their feet and he's given, and then he's unpacked it and he's giving them instructions about what this meant. And then he says something that had to really get their attention. He's saying, now what I just did was not for all of you. The lesson is not for all of you. I'm not speaking about all of you. And he says, I know whom I've chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. The one eating my bread lifts his heel against me. I say this to you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you might believe that I am. Your, your Bible may read, I am he, which is fair. Very truly I say to you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me. Whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. As he was saying these things, Jesus became troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I say to you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples looked into one another, asking about which one he was speaking. One of his disciples was seated at the table next to him. That's really not a great translation. The word table is not there, um, but that's okay. The one whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter motioned to him to inquire about which one he was speaking. So the one sitting at the table in this way, leaning against Jesus' chest, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, the one I dip a piece of bread and give it to. Then he dipped a piece of bread and he gave it to Judas of Simon Iscariot. After taking the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus said to him, what you're about to do, do it quickly. No one sitting at the table understood what Jesus had said to him. For some were thinking that since Jesus had the money bag, he was the treasurer, Jesus was saying to him, buy what we need for the festival so they could give something to the poor. Taking the bread, Jesus, Judas went out at once, and it was night. When he went out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. God will glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Children, there's the family language. I am with you a little longer. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, I now say to you, where I am departing to, you cannot go. But a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so also love one another. In this, everyone will know that you are disciples in me, if you have love among one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you departing to? Jesus answered, where I am going, 
you cannot follow, but you will later. Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay my life down for you. Jesus answered, will you really lay your life down for me? Very truly I say to you, a rooster will not crow three times before you disown me. So we're going to do a little bit of a reenactment tonight. The, the purpose isn't to be cute or entertaining, but I want, to, I want us to kind of get a snapshot of uh, the, the culture and what was going on here. So if our disciples could come up, and I'm going to recruit. I can't remember how many are recruited. If you know your disciple, come on up, and I'll, I'll get you in the right positions. Hey, Cranford, we need you. Okay, um, uh, yeah, no. Uh, Jesus, come on up right here. So give Jesus a little room, fellas. So he's going to be right here. Yeah, he has a beard. <laughs> so you guys can just sit down for now. Um, so we want John right here, and um, we want unnamed, what do you, who do you want to be, Thaddeus? Oh, sure. Thaddeus right here. And then we want... Um, uh, Bartholomew, would you go right here? Judas. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a, a melodrama all of a sudden, doesn't it? Yeah. And Peter. Okay. Maybe I'll get off to the side a little bit, so I'm just not. So Jesus looks at them and says, this was not for all of you, what I've been teaching. There's one who doesn't belong up here. In one sense, he shouldn't be here. In a sense, he should have never been here among this group. But he was allowed to be here. And now Jesus says, this one is about to, and he uses an idiom. He's about to lift his heel. I think the closest I could think of for lift, the, the, the idiom meant to kind of rise up and be really, really wrong someone. I think the closest I could think of, and maybe you can get a better, was it meant to stab someone in the back. We'll say that sometimes, you know, like they didn't, they didn't come front and let me know they stabbed me in the back while I wasn't looking. And that's what Jesus is saying. Someone's about to stab me in the back here. This, if, if you could picture how this would have landed. Remember, these guys have done three years of life together. Their life has been oriented around their rabbi. And they've done a lot. They've, de they've done a lot of very common life, traveling through Galilee and uh, occasional trips into Judea. They have seen Jesus do amazing things. They have heard him teach. They've had responsibilities. Each of them had different roles on the team that they've played. They've shared their lives together. And Jesus is now saying, one of you is going to betray me. So that had to be incredibly like discombobulating for these guys. It's a lot to take in and Jesus knows it. So he makes a comment. He says, hey, I'm telling you this now before it happens. So when it gets really tough, you'll have a heightened awareness 
of what's going on. And I think there, there's a preparation that Jesus do, is doing as their rabbi for them. He, he knows what's coming, and he knows it's going to be really tough. So what, what does life look like for you when life gets really hard? When it maybe, maybe most, you know, you get kind of one hard thing, and you're like, okay, I can manage this. What, what, what is it like for you when you've got three or four hard things going on at once? It kind of spills out of control, doesn't it? It kind of feels like you've lost your bearings, like I'm just dizzy. And I don't, you know, I can't really, I, I, I'd lose my keys or my wallet all the time. You know, I'm, I'm forgetting details. I think that's what this was like for them. It was discombobulating for him to say, one of you, We've been together. I chose these three years is going to betray me. Something's about to go down. And what they don't know, even though he's tried to tell them, is he's about to go down. So he's telling them now. When Jesus first accused them, he says he's going to lift his heel He's quoting scripture, right? Probably if you have your Bible, you saw the footnote. It's from a pretty unsuspecting place. It's from their songbook, Psalms, chapter 41. He who takes my bread has lifted his heel against me. It, it, it builds another angle, another bit of perspective on what's happening here. Because what's happening here is not just Jesus is trying to broaden. See, one of the things that when we're mourning or feel out of control, what, one of the things we often lack is perspective, right? What's perspective? Perspective is the ability to see beyond this stuff right here that's happening in my life. It's, it's extending your time horizon out to where you realize the, the totality of my life is not this. It's out there too it is this but that's not the totality and Jesus is trying to give them greater perspective and so he's bringing God's word into this and saying because I, I wonder if some of them were thinking what why did Jesus recruit this guy whoever it is he's talking about that was poor leadership did he not vet him enough Jesus is giving the perspective and saying, this was foretold in our ancient scriptures. What's, what's about to happen right now has, has been in the works for a long time. Now, did they pick up on that? We don't know. What we do know is this, John says, as Jesus is saying these things, he gets emotional. John calls it troubled in spirit. He uses this really strong word, leapsis. It's like a, it's like a really deeply moved, troubled place. He says very truly, where before what he tells them is a little bit vague. One of you's going to lift your heel. Now it's like I tell you, one of you's going to betray me. It has this distinct difference and clarity as well as tone. One of you's going to betray me. So what do they do with it? This is where I think it gets really interesting, especially when you read all the Gospels. And when Matthew and Mark tell this story, 
They say each of the disciples looked at Jesus and said, is it me? That's not how John tells the story. John tells the story as they began looking. And then he, I don't know if this is, was meaningful, this language here, but we would translate this, he, they looked at each other. He, he doesn't use, he changes prepositions and the, he uses the word, Dustin, you're the Greek guy, into, they looked into each other. I don't know if that was purposeful or if it's just, he just chose that. I don't know if he's, if he's insinuating a deeper look but whatever, these guys start looking at each other. They're like, who is it? So now we have Jesus. We have John. And John, who's writing, tells him that he's leaning against the chest of Jesus. They're that close. We have Thaddeus over here. And Nathaniel, you know, who are you? Bartholomew. And we have Judas and we have Peter. John tells us that as they're looking, Peter is trying to get John's attention. John, ask him. Ask him who it is. Which one is it? So Peter looks at Jesus and asks him. And Jesus answered, It's the one I dipped the bread, and give to. So he takes the bread, tears it, stands up. Man, can you just freeze it for a moment? Do your best to try to put yourself in this right now. What, that, what this moment must have been like for them. Uh, for him to get up after he had said that. And so he walks over. And, of course, Judas knows exactly who it is, that it's him. So he stands. And after taking the bread, this is such an important part of the story, John tells us, what's he tell them? Satan entered him. Now, it's it's not where this temptation started. It had already been going on. In fact, earlier in chapter 13, we see, I think it was in verse 2, that Satan had prompted, John tells us. John, John really often gives us the behind-the-scenes spiritual landscape of a story that often the other gospel writers don't quite get to. I think as Jesus' friend, John had some inside track. So Judas takes it, and Jesus says to him, whatever you're about to do, make it fast. And so Judas Okay, thank you guys for being here. And so the way, you, you may know this, they didn't sit around tables. Uh, I think Will, Will was thinking that came with the Greek uh, culture that was, that was taking over the culture. But even today in a lot of East Asia, or not East Asia, but uh, Central Asia and... and uh, Middle East, they, they sit like this. Uh, anybody's culture? You guys didn't sit on the floor, did you, when you ate? You guys sit on the floor? William? Yeah. Anybody come from a culture where you would sit on the floor and kind of recline like that? Anybody? They don't do that. No, not in South America. Yeah, but they, they did then. So. so Judas is taken. 
the bread. Um, he's decided to participate. And um, John tells us no one knows what's going on here. They don't know what, they don't understand what just happened. They thought Jesus just said, go, go, go to the ATM and get some cash for the festival. Um, and John adds, and it was night. John adds that. I think that's for effect. It's a story about darkness. The disciples are in the dark. They're not understanding what's going on. Judas is participating in the dark. He has handed himself over by his will to a dark lord. And it is night. Here's what I think is so very, very interesting about the story is what happens now. Because, like, what's leading up to this has, we're in this darkness together in the story. And it's so interesting the next move that Jesus makes. And I think it's brilliant on John's part as the Spirit it was inspiring him. It, the way he writes about it is really amazing. It's, a, it's such an example of unbelievably good leadership and, and, and unbelievably brilliant literary skill. Because Jesus is not going to keep the disciples in the dark. I don't mean just not understanding. He's, look at what he does. 31. When Judas went out, Jesus said, Now, now, the Son of Man is glorified. God is glorified in him. God will glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Man, what would you expect? Like, this scenario, what, what would most of us, most leaders even do at that moment? If you understand what's gone on, that this betrayer has made plans and met with powerful men that are going to kill you, he's going to betray you, what is that conversation next? Probably for most, it, it's some kind of counter-attack strategy conversation. How are we going to respond to this? And maybe it's handing out, you know, weapons or, or whatever. But instead, Jesus goes to this really interesting place and saying, now the Son of Man will be glorified. Now, it's not that he's, 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 not that he's lifted the heart out of it. He had, he's not saying, okay, guys, cheer up. You know, put, put on a happy face. He, he's not doing that. But we just traveled with these couple sentences from one reality to another. The betrayer has left them. Everybody knows that now. And he's saying, now is the time for glory. I mean, that's, that's like rich, optimistic language. Son of Man is going to be glorified. So we have betrayal. Jesus troubled in spirit. The disciples are looking at each other, dipping the bread, taking the bread. Satan entering. Judas in the darkness. The disciples in the darkness. Now's the time for the glory of God. I don't know that anyone 
would have seen that coming from Jesus. Even though he's been saying all along, blessed are you when people insult you, come against you and persecute you. He's been saying if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the left. He's been saying, you've heard it said, hate your enemy. I tell you, love them. He's been saying, he's been teaching that. Now they're seeing it. They're seeing it. He's not criticizing Judas. He's not trying to explain anything. He's saying now's the time when we're really going to see God as a, as a people, as a family. We're going to see him at his best. Now the Son of Man is glorified. Is glorified. That's Old Testament language. That's, that's Daniel language. That's Isaiah language. High and lifted up and the temple is filled with his presence. His glory. That's, that's Daniel saying, and then I saw in heaven these thrones. And one like a son of man ascended and sat on the throne and all nations and all peoples came and worshipped. That, that's what glorified language is. And Jesus said, now we're going to see the majesty of our God. Jesus is staring in the face of the enemy. Don't forget, John doesn't say, and demons came and filled Judas. Remember, Satan is not omnipresent. When John said Satan entered him, that's what he meant. The dark Lord had embodied Judas. And Jesus is not shaken. He is prepared for this moment. He has prepared for this moment all his life. Time to be glorified. And he starts talking like family, my little children, he says. I'm with you a little longer. And where I'm going, you can't go. I, don't re- I should have researched this. I don't know if this is the first time he uses this kind of family language with them or not. Probably not. I'm just not thinking of it at the moment. But the New Testament takes on this language. If you look at Paul's letters often, it's filled with this brother and sister, occasionally mother and father language. It's how they identified. And I think that's so important for us, is that we identify as family. We learn to live as family. So here's what Jesus says to his family, a new command I give you. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, love one another. In this, everyone will know that you are disciples. And this is another time, John switches the language a little bit. You are disciples in me, literally, if you have love for one another. Would one of you just read that, verses 34 and 35, stand and read it loudly? I just want to get a rep or two of that. Jaden, please. Who else? Let's get, let's get a few reps. Somebody else stand and read that.
this section. You got it, Daniel? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you, that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Yeah. One more. You got it, Dalton? A new commandment I give you, I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Yeah. Christy, you have it? But before Christy reads it, let's, I, I, don't turn your chairs, it's too hard, chairs are connected. Let's look at each other. So just, you know, move your body around so we can see each other. So try this is this might feel awkward probably doesn't but if it does look, I mean really look at somebody don't look at, don't look at their shoes or like look, look at someone else Christy reads this. So I want to tell you a little bit about our transition team um, that we've been we've been meeting a lot, um, and um, there's some some of the members are in the room, and um, we've seen God do this on our team. Um, we've really had to work through some stuff together. We still are, you know, but we've listened. Uh, I'm so proud of this team because they've listened each other. Uh, I think there's been times there's been opportunities for them to have empathy and they've given it. And I think like the um, the formation that's taken place among us has not been okay we figured this out. You know. It has been the formation of love among us more than anything else. We knew going in we didn't see some things the same. We still don't see some things the same. And it's not that we stopped caring about the things that we see differently. But I think Jesus is giving us something more than seeing things the same or agreeing about everything. And it's hard to do that work. It's, 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 it's messy sometimes. And, but do you see what he's doing by this? He's, he, he's given us the missional code. By this, people will know that you belong in me if you love one another. We know that and I'm telling you, I can go, you could go, I can go to a church planting conference and, and I'll hear all, all kinds of methodology and strategies to attract people, to keep people once they're there and all those things. I won't hear this most of the time. Jesus has given us the missional code. Here's the apologetic. It's the way you are with each other that will bear the fruit. 
I mean, I don't know how that could be any clearer. So. Let's just close and say, like, I think the one thing that we still need to say is a little bit about Peter. He's back there in the sound booth right now. So P- Peter, uh, you know, you got to love him, and, uh, and we should, because, like, Peter is often going first, because he's got, I wouldn't blame it on personality. I think Peter's courageous. Peter's a warrior, and uh, we, we admire those traits. And people, sometimes it's reckless. It comes with some, some of it. But Peter is not understanding why Jesus is saying, where I'm going, you can't go. And Jesus is not really saying much other than, you can't, Peter. You can't do it. You can't trust me, but one day you will. And Peter does not understand. And so he, he plays the like martyr card on him. I'm willing to lay my life down for you, Lord. I think he means it. From the bottom of his toes, he means it. And Jesus says, basically, <laughs> you're not even going to last this day, my child. Before the rooster wakes everybody up tomorrow morning, you will already have abandoned me. And um, I, think, I think it's important. I think John wants us to see Peter in this story. He, he, he spent a lot, a lot of space on this. You know, it's not the first time for Peter either. Jesus has had conversations with him before and about this very kind of same thing. And so Jesus sees Peter and he knows a transformation is coming in his life. But, but it, and it's not going to happen in a moment. Even after like Pentecost and all that, if you fast forward, Peter still struggles. With, with different kinds of issues. But John wants to see Peter here in his certainty. I will lay my life down for you. He wants us to see him there. I don't think John's trying to belittle him at all. I think John is hoping we will see the gap in Peter's self-assurance and his reality. And there's a sense in which that's the point is the gap that, that lives in us between who we were created to be, what God's vision is for life, what he knows what the Holy Spirit can be for us, and our current state of being, our current formation, our current immaturity and, and fractures and brokenness that still need tending in our lives. There's that gap. I think John wants us to see that gap. And there is a bumpy road ahead for Peter, as there is for us. As we'd struggle with that gap. But Peter, this is the note I want to end on. He's going to grow. What Peter's going to do is not that much better than what Judas did. I mean, you could make the argument, you know. He can't even, like, stand his ground to a servant girl warming by the fire, you know. So it's not like Peter's like, well, that was not quite as bad. It's pretty bad. But Peter's not going to leave Jesus. And the reason he's not going to leave Jesus 
there's, there's more than one reason. But one reason, and the most important reason, is that Jesus is not going to leave him. Jesus has pledged himself to these men and his followers, men and women. And he will not leave us. He will not leave us. If we belong to him, he has pledged himself. He has pledged himself. And he has shown it, what pledging himself looks like. So, you know, what he calls it is glory. You know, the word glory means shiny. It means shiny. It's like what Daniel saw in the sky. It's like what we see on the Mount uh, Transfiguration. Shiny, it's bright. Jesus is using shiny language. I'm about to enter my glory. Who would have thought that the glory is going to look like suffering? But it is. We're going to close with a song, not singing. We don't do this very often, but it's a song on video. I heard this song. This is one of my favorite artists, Steve Bell, and I heard this song a couple years ago. I play this song every, every Sunday on the way to church. It's just part of my weird tradition, I'm a creature of habit. And um, it's such a meaningful song. He's, he's moshing this account and John 17 where Jesus prays as well and maybe among other things too but the lyrics are with it and so um, I'll let you listen it's about five minutes and then Chance and Jade will come up so. mm-hmm.